but today's reading is about the divine encounter that we've read uh, a few times already, uh, most recently in the fourth Sunday of Holy Lent. We also read this same gospel um, in the uh, Pentecost during the third prostration prayer. So we've recently spoken about the care and, and the stories fresh in our memory about how the Lord in his gentleness uh, approached St. Futimi, the, um, of course, uh, we know her as the uh, Samaritan woman, and uh, how he caused her conversion and also the conversion of the whole city in Samaria. He walked approximately 20 miles to reach her and he was very patient in his discussion with her and slowly lifted her to uh, a mind that is full of faith even to a state of her evangelizing the whole town in Samaria. Um, she li he lifted her heart from earthly affairs to heavenly affairs. So he lifted her spirituality. But besides focusing on the Samaritan woman, which we've done in recent weeks, uh, or even the conversion of the whole city in Samaria, <clears throat> today's reading also shows another dimension to the story that we read near the end. The extent to which Christ was wholly and entirely intent on the salvation of those whom he has called. He showed a lot of zeal in this story, a lot of zeal and a lot of desire for their salvation. And he disregarded his own weariness because he was indeed tired. He woke up early. He traveled 20 miles walking. He also was very hungry, having not eaten all day. And so his apostles went to the surrounding town to, uh, to get food. And by this beautiful image of the story of the Samaritan woman, we clearly see a model for us to and how to serve God. This we too should, um, like we should follow Christ's example in disregarding weariness. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we get um, discouraged in, in our services. <clears throat> and we should consider the zeal that Jesus Christ our Lord had for those who he was saving, counting the salvation of people's souls of much more value, even more value of even our own comfort and our own desires. Uh, as Jeremiah chapter 48 says, Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord deceitfully, or in other words, who does not give God's service proper attention and care. But Christ gives us that really nice example uh, that was, uh, you know, the apostles have seen, because the apostles were there, and they see this nice example and model of service that Christ gave them, and these apostles, of course, would later become teachers of the whole world. So besides the beautiful dialogue between our Lord and St. Fatini, we have another dialogue that's also full of benefits, the dialogue between Christ and the apostles, uh, especially when it comes to serving God. And it's beneficial for all of us because, of course, all of us, not without one exception, from the young to the small, from those who have been in the church to those who have just recently church, uh, joined the church, they all, we all have uh, the, the um, obligation to serve, to serve God in whatever capacity we can. So it's not just the Sunday school teachers or the deacons or um, even those who vacuum the church, right? It's everyone's service. Everyone, to some degree, is called to serve God. <clears throat> and believe me, there are many that are, do serve, and they serve behind the scenes, and they receive the blessings in their lives. And, um, of course, the church receives the benefit as well. All of us receive the benefits. So when the apostles see the Lord, the Lord, they know how much he's labored. They know how much he was hungry. And they asked him and even begged him, Lord, eat, eat something. We know you haven't eaten all day. And he responds saying, I have food to eat that you do not know. The disciples asked each other saying, has anyone brought him food? Or maybe somebody has brought him something better than what we have bought him. 
You know, why doesn't anyone eat our food? So Christ tells him plainly that his food is to do the will of his Father and to complete his work, which of course is the salvation of everyone's souls. In this he sets out a rule for what is called the apostolic ministry. The, the rule that we should all follow and the attitude that they and, and those after the apostles should always have. He tells them to lift up their eyes, as we read today. Lift up your eyes, for the wheat is already white. Lift up your eyes, and to rise above the earthly desires, and to serve something that is much greater than this world, something that is greater than ourselves. And that they should not be focused on their own earthly affairs when serving God. And that, when, that they should be concerned for teaching and the caring of the souls, and that... Um, that they should focus their attention and their efforts on them, even to the point of their, uh, their own discomfort. And we see many of the, the church fathers and many of the servants who have gone before us, they not only allowed discomfort to enter into the life for the sake of serving the, the rest of uh, humanity and the, the rest of the church, but even to the point of death. They even allowed their own lives to be lost for the sake of service. So they, they should put secondary, this, you know, the, our own comfort to the service of others through fasting and through giving and through, of course, giving of our time and to putting God's service first. In God's service, we also learn today that He does all the heavy lifting, right? He doesn't, uh, you know, let us do everything by ourselves, but that He does ask us to, uh, you know, put our, ourselves into the service and to give up our time, but He does most of the heavy lifting. Um, he says the harvest is ripe, meaning that the uh, that those who came before those uh, apostles, um, they he, that God worked through them to deliver to them the people who are already ripe to be harvested. So God did all the heavy working. He already brought people to the faith, and all we have to do, all they had to do, was just you know be there and and work with the Holy Spirit. They've already come to believe. The people who have come to be served have already come to, to believe. All we have to do is show them the way to grace, like people who come to the church, for example. We have to just show them the way to the grace, the way to be grafted into the body of the, of the church, uh, the body of Christ, which is the church. And those um, who come, we have to just kind of lead them down the right path. And just like the wheat that is brought into the farm by the farmers, when it's time, when, it, when they're ripe, and after a little work, they, you know, they work with the wheat a little bit and it becomes nice, you know, nice bread to eat. Likewise, the servants, they're like those farmers. They reap what they have not grown. God gives the growth. God gives the people the faith. But we bring them and we, with a little bit of labor, turn them into not bread, but turn them into something like angels uh, or like saints. Our Lord also teaches us the beautiful lesson regarding the continuity of service for those who have come before us. For he says, For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Of course, he's speaking about the prophets who were before them. God loves those who came before us, the prophets, the apostles, the fathers, the mothers, the martyrs, all those people who gave us the faith, who have labored very diligently to give us the faith that we have today. And we have entered into their labors. And he doesn't take away the honor of the prophets and gives it to the disciples. He doesn't do that. But tells them that they have entered into their labors. 
and that the prophets, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, and all the rest of the, the, the prophets, have sown the words into the hearts of the people. They prophesied about Christ, and now the apostles are reaping the fruits of that effort. He mixes the labor of both, uh, the labor of both, right? He mixes the labor of the apostles with the prophets, but he also mixes the honor with the apostles and the prophets, because the same is for both. Because the prophets did labor before the apostles. Obviously, as we read today, uh, St. Fatini, the Samaritan woman, knew that the Messiah was coming. That statement alone shows that she was brought up with the teachings of the prophets. We too labor, building on the labor of those who preceded us. The things that we do today, we're not inventing, right? We're receiving them, and we benefit so much from those who have gone before us. <clears throat> the prophets, the apostles who stood alone against odds that were not human to overcome when you really read their stories. Especially the apostles who went to the whole world against the whole world and, and changed the world with, of course, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. But they showed us that with God, nothing's impossible, even though the odds are impossible or they seem impossible. We have as guides the amazing church fathers and their teachings and their writings that we have today. We have the martyrs and the confessors and their triumphant and inspiring stories that they gave up their life to, so that we today can enjoy the faith that we have. We have, for example, the Desert Fathers and their path of perfection that they blazed for us, for us to follow. These things we receive and we enter into their labors. We stand on the shoulders of giants. We don't stand on our own. We stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us. And God counts us worthy to enter into their labors and, of course, reaping what they have sown and to also enter into the joy and the rejoicing and the rewards that He offers those who have come before us. And what is the result of this labor? Christ makes many amazing um, promises and, uh, and uh, about rewards and, and, joy, and joy that we would get. Christ says that they will reap the fruits today that we read we will reap the fruits just like they reap, uh, reap the fruits. Unto what? Eternal life. So serving God gives us these rewards in the eternal life. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows, those who have come before us, and he who reaps may rejoice together. There is a great joy of fulfillment in this life for those who serve. When you serve, you have fulfillment in life. Have you ever felt maybe your life is a little bit empty? Give it meaning by service. Service gives that life a little bit of greater joy, a little bit of meaning, and things that the world can never give, even if you be, uh, you're be you like a millionaire or a billionaire even, and you're not serving, your life can be a little empty. But serving those around you will add that meaning and that little bit of joy in, in your in your life, even in this life. But of course, the promises of the joy that we will receive in the eternal life is much greater. <clears throat> but there are some to, who refuse to serve. And we know, you know, uh, among us, maybe, uh, maybe even ourselves, where we can take a service on, but we choose not to. These have the capability, the resources, the spiritual or the intellectual gifts. Or maybe they were raised with a lot of blessings that they now can share with others but they refuse to serve, to serve. And this is of course wrong, and there are, many, a lot of, uh, there are many a lot of reasons that they give for such lack of service. For example, some say, 
that they want to be more spiritual before they become to serve. That they're too big of a sinner to really take on the honor of serving. But such a person who waits until they're so-called spiritual will never serve. In fact, those who become more spiritual, right, they become more sensitive. And the more sensitive they get, they realize that they are truly sinners. So that our, our feeling that we're sinners is just the right attitude to approach service. So when we proceed to serve God in humility, realizing that only He can lift us up from our current spiritual state, He gives us that grace to do the service. True that the service may come with honor from time to time, but we know that, of course, that honor is based on Him and not anyone else. So no matter how we feel unworthy, we should not be afraid to begin the service. Others will say, I'm waiting for God's call to serve. As if, you know, that they're going to, like have some kind of vision or or dream or something like that. Although that has happened in the past, <clears throat> that is not the rule for everyone. Some people wait for that, like they, I'm not going to serve, maybe hiding their own, maybe forgive me, laziness or, or uh, other reasons not to serve, saying that, you know, I'm waiting for God to tell me to serve. God's calling though, in truth, is not some miracle that may happen. God's calling is recognizing a need. So the moment we recognize that there is a need and deciding we should decide to do something, that is our call to serve. When you see a need, that is the miracle that you've been waiting for, that God has put in your heart the, the purpose and the desire to help with something else that is needed. So don't, don't be part of, for example, the biggest committee that we have in our church, like in, in, and I imagine in every church, is the suggestion committee. People are easy to offer suggestions. But how many are actually willing to put their hands into the labor and to actually do the work? Uh, fewer, fewer number than the uh, suggestion committee. Um, here is a clear call, though. When God puts in your heart and moves your heart to pray for somebody, for example, then pray for them. Don't wait. When God puts it in your heart to help somebody in need, do so. When, some, when you see the church is dirty on the floor, pick up the vacuum and vacuum. I mean, that is God's call for you. That is, uh, that is, as soon as you recognize the need, that is the miracle you've been waiting for. That's the Holy Spirit moving, into, uh, moving your heart. <clears throat> and there's many other reasons why people don't serve. Some people say, I have family or kids, a husband and wife, I have new kids, I, have, I, I can't serve. The lack of money. People say, I don't have money, either for in the personal life or in the, the, the service itself needs a little bit of resources, so they refuse to. Another common reason for lack of service is, I don't like church politics, you know, I don't like dealing with people. And, and so people refuse to serve because of that reason. But we know that, you know, wherever you work together with people, there's the potential of seeing things differently, and that's not always a bad thing. And maybe we have to have a little bit of humility. The difficulty of the service, no, that's too difficult of a service, I can't do it. And we forget that it's God himself that stands by us. All of these reasons, of course, are not good reasons. They're not good reasons to begin the service. As God provides everything we need in every service that we need. In fact, we find those servings will be blessed to overcome those excuses if they just choose to trust in God. <clears throat> so then who should serve? Everyone. Everyone's invited. It can be in whatever capacity one has to offer. Um, Having this mind of Christ and the mind of the apostles and the mind of the prophets and the mind of the church fathers and mothers who have gone before us, this is what puts us in line with the mind of Christ as we saw today. 
in his example. He put aside all of his, uh, his own comfort for the comfort and the salvation of those around him. Brings fullness in life. This brings fullness in life and joy through service and can belong to all of us because all of us as Christians, we have the responsibility to serve. But even more, his promises of rejoicing in the world to come is beyond words. So though we may have joy in this world through service and fulfillment, even though our bodies may be tired, our insides, will, which is more important, will be a flame of joy and, and, and satisfaction. But even more than that, we receive the promises to come in the world to come. And then that those rewards are, of course, beyond words. We can't stand here today and talk about the rewards that God will give us because he himself says is not entered into the heart of man the things which he has prepared for us. So let him know, for example, in, in James chapter 5, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Those, and in Daniel chapter 12, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. How we will shine like stars, we do not know. God knows, right? But these are the kind of amazing uh, promises that sparkle with His promises that uh, of joy and, um, and everlasting happiness that only He can provide. So having this mind of Christ that He had, that we, He showed us today, to serve does not only belong to priests or to Sunday school teachers and, and to those. Don't think that somebody else is going to do it. We are, we as the body of Christ, is the, uh, we are the last line of defense. We are those who are serving. And if you don't do it, maybe no one else is going to do it. So don't assume that somebody else is going to do it. But, you know, approach the service if you see a need. So since the service should be founded on faith and love uh, that Christ showed today, which are the qualities of all Christians, then, then service is for all Christians. And the reward also is for all Christians. So let's close um, today's talk with an inaudible prayer that the priest always prays during the Catholic epistle. So when the Catholic epistle is read, the priest, you'll see him at the altar praying a certain prayer, and part of it has to do with what we're talking about. He says, grant to us, and he's praying to the Lord, grant to us at all times to walk in their footsteps, those who have come before us, and to imitate their struggle, and to have communion with them in the sweat which they have accepted for the sake of godliness. Those who have labored and have become so tired and have even sweat because of uh, all their hard work so that we can receive the faith today. Let us be like them, O Lord, and let us have a share and an inheritance with all of them to whom, uh, to whose uh, glory of His holy name, to whom be glory forever now and all, at all times unto the ages of all ages. Amen.